Hello, and welcome to the very last episode of Daily American Press's Chatting with Abby. I have a really special guest, TJ. How are you doing? Good. I'm, I'm glad we finally got this uh, working. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is this has been like twenty minutes of of tech awfulness, but I was. It's not. I've always said it's not a podcast if you don't spend at least as much time working on the tech (laughs) as actually recording it. I was so shocked when you joined the recording and it actually worked that I almost forgot my entire intro I've been doing for a year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is, like I said very last one and being the very last one we get to talk about we have we have no fear of censorship because if they if they come for me and shut me down who cares so we're going to talk about election fraud yeah the 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 one uh, unforgivable sin other than talking about masks which now i guess you can talk about so yeah the last so- unforgivable <laughs> sin yeah <laughs> Are you allowed to talk about vaccines being bad now? Starting yeah, I mean, to? <laughs> if you're Jen McCarthy, <laughs> I think you still can maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Because the AP put out something that made me think maybe now they're starting to question. I don't know. Well, I think, it, I think, I think that's the. I think that's what's coming down the pike is this, now that they can uh, blame Trump for the vaccine that didn't work, they're going to, uh, it's going to be cool to talk about it again. The cool kids are going to allow it. <laughs> It's insane. So let's talk about election fraud that everyone was allowed to talk about until until 2020, right? Literally for 20 years, it was a staple of the American discourse was let's talk about hanging chads. Let's talk about how uh, Al Gore really won in 2000 and Hillary Clinton really won in 2016. Uh, Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Elections have never had an issue uh, ever. Ever. Well, and except those ones. They still had issues, but we didn't do anything to fix them. In fact, it made it worse. So, you know, they're secure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we're, we're the, we have these very, very hackable machines. Everything is so much more online than it ever was. But of course, everything is the most secure election to ever election. Yeah, that's what the, the machine one is funny to me because like, on one hand, I don't think it's the most, like, how do I say this? I don't think that they just went in and, like, flipped everything on a machine. But mm-hmm. it is the one that Rachel Maddow talked about a whole lot. She brought up all these issues um, after 2016 with, mm-hmm. the, with the machines. And then, like, every type of election fraud we found out is true, at least to some degree. That one, that one was especially true for me because the there was a 6000 vote flip in Antrim County where my where a lot of my family lives and voted yeah. uh, and that was that really did happen in 2020 it was it was for the i think it was it wasn't for the presidential one it was like a mayor or something but it completely changed the election when they're like oh yeah the voting machines uh, they actually flipped 6000 votes that's insane <laughs> it's it's insane it's so there's okay, there's so much going into this, and I and I want to frame this this well because I do think that there are consequences to to taking any side of this issue, and sometimes something can be true and still have negative consequences, and yeah. I think that we can all admit that if 
if this election was stolen, if any election was stolen by any party, the consequences of that being true would be pretty, pretty dire, pretty country breaking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so if you're going to make an allegation like that, if you're going to make a country breaking allegation, you better bring something to back it up and you better bring it quick, in my opinion. And now there's a lot of people who say they have, they've tried, judges keep blocking it. I Yeah, that, that's the weird part about it is yeah. there was a lot of cases that it's hard for, for anybody to really look at it and say this is definitely proof when it wasn't allowed to, at least the evidence wasn't allowed to be presented. Yeah, and there are, there are rules of evidence. There are reasons why certain types of evidence are not acceptable in court. Hearsay, not acceptable in court, for example. And so while I, I am willing to consider that every single one of all of these judges were corrupt, it's, it's hard to swallow that every single one was, and there, there's not a single good judge in America willing to take evidence that's, that's good. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's corruption, though. I think a lot of it's just cowardice. Like, mm. I mean, even if you look at the Supreme Court, it seems like Clarence Thomas is the only one who's willing to look at a lot of these issues and be like, yeah, it's not that I'm against them. It's that they were wrongfully decided. Uh, right. So we, we were finally able to get Roe v. Wade overturned. So that's great. And then Clarence Thomas is like, you know, this the implications here are that uh, we'd have to overturn Obergefell and a, a bunch of other decisions because they were based on this other terrible decision. And everybody's like, yeah, no, nah, we're not doing that. So like, I feel like a lot of the election stuff, like you said, it's a country breaking kind of moment. And I think, you know, there was certain evidence that wasn't just hearsay that um, wasn't permitted. And I think corruption would account for a part of it, but I think a lot of it uh, is cowardice. That's And that's fair. Like I'm willing, I'm willing to believe that. But if if a judge denies your evidence, this is one of those things where if it's true, bring it to the court of public opinion, make it, you know, put it out there and make it so obvious that that judges can do nothing but accept it. If that's really the case, if you really have evidence that's that good. And the only thing I've really seen that was anything close to bringing evidence forward like that would be the 10,000 mules movie or the 2000 mules. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, one, that one shows again to me that there is both corruption and cowardice going on because there's not even an inquiry into these people. There's at least a, a, not any that I've seen or that anybody's seen as far as, you know, this is pretty shocking stuff. We at least have video, like they don't have video of all of them, but we have video of some of these guys. And there's a reason why they don't have video of all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. going and dropping off multiple ballots on multiple nights to multiple mm-hmm. drop boxes, which is illegal. I mean, you could, in some of these states, I think you can um, like take a family member's ballot. If we really think that they made that many trips because they've got so many family members that yeah. are unable to, yeah, I don't, at three in the morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, that right there, it's um, something that's just not being looked into. But what's interesting to me about the, the election fraud thing I mean, there's a lot of things interesting. 2000 Mules is one of them, but it's just like, like I was saying earlier, every single type of election fraud that we were told was true has at least been true to some right. degree. To like, some you know, degree, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. Mules, there was there was mules. I mean, uh, Project Veritas found them. They had uh, 
video footage prosecuted that woman, I think in Texas, Mm -hmm. who was going around and paying people for votes. Uh, There was some early video evidence. This wasn't in the 2020 election. There was like in a primary or something for Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, one of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had people like Crowder prove that there was uh, people voting from addresses that don't exist. Right. Uh, in Antrim County, you had machines changing votes. We were told they weren't hooked up to the internet, and then we were told that, well, they are, but, you know, they're secure, but they're not always, but don't look into it. Uh, in uh, Georgia and Detroit, you had poll watchers not able to be present. Then, you know, in Georgia, they sent home poll right. watchers and then started pulling out ballots. Uh, there was proof, and uh, and all these things are, like, not overturning. I'm just saying, like, the, the yeah. amount of different types. You had dead people voting was proven. Uh, And those were really small numbers. I'm not saying like, you know, 81 million dead people voted. (laughs) Uh, We know illegals vote because the the Democrats are proud of that fact. Right. Yeah. So there's there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of corruption going on. So I feel like even even if you can't prove, you know, this one thing, they went in and flipped a switch in this one state. It's like I feel like at at some point, these judges, these uh, law enforcement uh, our politicians have to look at this and go, wow, our voting sucks. <laughs> We've got it's so many really holes bad. in the ship. It yeah. is bad. And if that's the consequence of believing that something went wrong in the election, if if believing this conspiracy theory or, you know, whatever you want to call it, if the consequence of it is that each county, no matter what color they are, uh, just takes a look at things and just says it it matters to us that this be as secure as possible and whether or not it advantages us or not, we're going to clean this up. And I think that if we had a country that really cared about democracy as much as the Democrats scream and cry about how much they care about democracy, I think that that we would have just redone the election or at the very least put in a massive effort across every single county to, to, reinstill confidence in the the upcoming elections but we don't see that yeah i don't think that they care about confidence i think they care about control and uh mm-hmm. i mean obviously this was this is because it was going in one direction the whole debate around election fraud has changed when it was 2016 mm-hmm. you know if if they had found a quarter of this amount of evidence we would have never heard the end of it right um, and i i think <laughs> This is just like speculation, but like I think that the reason we didn't see that is because anytime they would have looked into it, they would have found, you know, Democrats are being Democrats, and you know, there's some fishy stuff going on that seems to to favor mm-hmm. them. Um, but it, yeah, it's not that fraud has never ever uh, benefited Republicans, but it does seem that the party that tends to value law and order does significantly less fraudy things are you still there oh no oh no can you hear me yeah yep sorry my uh, i had well because we're doing this from my phone because uh my my computer's not working uh my my screen went dead and i guess that made it so you couldn't hear me oh no yes so i'll try to repeat my point but uh i was just saying that I'm sure there have been Republicans who have benefited from uh, what what did Time Magazine call fortification, fortifying (laughs) their election results. Um, But yeah, no, I think I think that this generally 
uh, overwhelmingly does favor one side. And you can look back through history, even LBJ, like it was found out that he had won one of his, right? Not the presidential, but like he had mm-hmm. won one of his races uh, through provable voter fraud. I, I don't remember yeah. if it was governor or senator or something like that. But Yeah, it has absolutely happened. It has absolutely been proven. Mm-hmm. And it's not new no, either. Yeah, it's not, it's not new, like, new. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, what was the term that basically they used to get people drunk and like drive these guys around to vote at different, uh, polling places all over the States, you know, long time when there was horse and carriages, that, that was a, uh, a practice, there's a name for it, but I can't remember what it's called. I can't either, but I know what you're talking about. Like this has been happening for a long time and oh, there's just, there's so many factors, right? Because if it really, if it really happened enough to tip the election, that's a, that's massive. And I can understand why even conservatives who love this country would not want to admit that, that it happened or even really consider it. I understand that. I understand that it's hard to, I think at some point when you, start peeking behind the scenes and seeing the corruption, it's more than uh, you bargained for. So it's, mm-hmm. it's easier to just try to pretend it doesn't exist and to go, wow, this is uh, deep and systemic and uh, a mess. It, w- it would require a complete overhaul of our voting system. It would require a lot of things that, that Republicans don't want to talk about. Now, you know, I think the biggest one, I think the biggest thing that the Republicans don't want to talk about because we're always trying to play catch up to the compassionate left, as I as I mm-hmm. try to call it, or the um, what's the other word, the tolerant left, mm-hmm. as they you know Republicans are so busy trying to play catch up to that, that they don't just take the hardline position on things like, you know, maybe we should have a real conversation that uh, there's a lot of people voting that shouldn't be, right? That, that, that's just one of my beliefs. I, I really don't understand why it's controversial to go, you know, we used to actually have some requirements to, to voting, to uh, not just being 18 and having a pulse. Right. Right. And there's so much you can require without even restricting the laws, just enforce the ones we already have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if we did that, it would make, it would make for a better uh, voting system. It would make for a better society, but you know, instead, we've got people going out there and saying uh, Republicans are well. Stacey Abrams, you know, she definitely won uh, because, in her mind, you know, Republicans uh, made it harder for Black people to vote in certain areas because they closed the polls at 7 p.m. And we all know that Black people can't get to the polls between 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. According to Stacey Abrams, sounds pretty racist. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I. I think it's a little bit silly that we have 50,000 government days of whatever Juneteenth and Labor Day and all these kind of useless holidays that they're not they're not really holidays in in the in the cultural context. They don't have they don't have um, traditions attached to them the way that Christmas does. Or something even like for the 4th of July, they're just kind of contrived. And so people have a day off work and they just kind of have a barbecue or, you know, do something because they happen to have a day off and it's, it's not really meaningful. Why do we have all of these meaningless days? And yet you can't give one for election day. To me, that would just make sense to give people the day off. And then people like Stacey couldn't whine and I don't know. 
Yeah, and you know what's funny is they never the, the Democrats never float that idea, and I think that's because in their mind, uh, the the votes that they're trying to get the more of the ones they really want are those inner city votes, and mm-hmm. they look at those as generally uh, unemployed or underemployed people. So mm-hmm. I think I think the real um, the real voters that that would help would be the people who are working full time jobs, and really that's hard. not yeah. yeah working really hard. So, but I agree. I think it's, it's ridiculous that we don't have a national holiday for voting. It's, and at the same time, so I, I see the tension from both sides because I, I want to see a national holiday because I want it to be accessible to people who are working very hard. And at the same time, I don't think that this idea that we have to make it as easy as possible, I, I think it should be a little bit inconvenient to go vote. Like yep. you should, you should prove that you care about it enough to, to, to drive 10 minutes and go stand in line and do it. Right. Yeah. That, and that's kind of what I'm saying is like, I feel like the, the real issue that we're having is that Republicans are trying to play catch up. You know, as soon as they make those accusations, they're like, no, look, we make it so easy for everybody to vote. And mm-hmm. that's what allowed us to have the mail-in voting in the first place is that we have yeah. this belief that every single person needs to vote need, and it needs to be easy. Uh, and I, I just don't think that that's the case. Like, I, I, that's why the only the only uh, time I would say that we should make it easier would just be like, yeah, these hardworking people who are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Right. Um, who are worried about losing their job. Like, that to me sounds like someone you want voting. Uh, right. That's, that's the only caveat I would add to that. But, yeah, I don't think that uh, the more that we try to play the left's game and go, oh, yeah, no, we're making it super easy. We don't need to check IDs. We, we can mail everybody's ballots to their house. Uh, everybody with a pulse should be able to vote. I just don't think that that's made for a great society. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's um, a constitutional Republic uh, idea. I think that's a, a mm-hmm. pure democracy idea. And I'm not, I'm not a uh, pure democracy um, majority rules on every issue and trumps your individual rights kind of thing. I'm not that kind of person. Yeah, pure democracy, that's what failed in Rome, right? In Greece. Greece, yeah. Republic is what failed in Rome. Pure democracy and pure republic, neither of those things work. Right. Yeah, well, Rome was was even more um, stringent than what I'm talking about. It was kind of... That's a whole other thing. But basically, they just... Certain people had out... uh, overwhelmingly more um, of a voice than other people. Right. But yeah. So like you can go too far in either direction, pure democracy failed in Greece, um, kind of having the, just the elites controls what failed in Rome. So mm-hmm. there has to be mm-hmm. some kind of balance. I mean, was it, wasn't Machiavelli that talked about, uh, you know, like the best form of government we could really afford is, is a mixture of, um, of those different ideas, you know, democracy and uh, aristocracy yeah. and um, uh, basically monarchy, like those three things. Yeah. Yeah. Bl- blend them so that their, their weaknesses combat each other's weaknesses and they kind of balance out. Right. Right. But <laughs> I, and then I think what we're seeing a lot from the left and we've seen this argument for at least since Bush one in 2000 is that isn't it better if we just have a pure democracy, if we just let every, you know, the most popular opinion is uh, what rules the day. And uh, that's, that's not been working out for us too well. 
Yeah, especially when you have an education problem, when an opinion is really, really popular for lack of, of knowledge and wisdom to, to understand that that idea is really stupid. Well, I mean, they, they, gonna be but that's the thing they make. Yeah, they make the argument that just because the opinion's good, that that's what the law should follow. And that necessarily uh, screws over uh, the minority, screws over individual rights. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. how they're still making that debate with Roe v. Wade in a a lot of ways. Like, well, look how popular it is. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't like I don't care how popular it would be if 10 people want to steal my bike and I don't want them to. That's that's democracy. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not a. that's pretty stupid when you actually think about it. It's like, Oh, if, if uh, half the country wants to murder babies, that's cool. Uh, it doesn't matter about uh, life and the right to life and things like that. Yeah. And there's, there are things where of course student loan forgiveness is going to be popular among people who, who don't have an, an idea of what that means economically and why it's a bad idea. So there are some things that are it, just on their face. They're going to look too good. Yeah, and I think I think student loan forgiveness is also just popular because people are just have just given up. They're like, yeah. well, I might as well get mine before the system crashes. That's that's a good point. I see a lot of conservatives kind of seemingly in that boat where they're like, mm-hmm. well, if it's going to happen anyway, I would like. I better well, I get mean, yeah, I saw what was it like those uh, triple P loans or whatever people were talking about those today as far as there's all these conservatives who are taking out the you know, these government bailouts. And they're like, why would you do that? And everybody's like, well, somebody's going to take the money. It might as well be me. So as soon as, right. as soon as the money's on the table, um, I mean, it's almost, it's maybe not a perfect analogy, but it's almost like the prisoner's dilemma, you know, like if, if I don't do it, you will. So I might as well do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there is so much, there is so much that I could probably say about people who say they stand for something. And then they're like, well, if you're benefiting from, it's it's like, do you really stand for something or not? Because part of it is just a lack of people willing to stand up and set an example of a better way of living. Yeah, it's like, uh, you ever seen that movie, The Cinderella Man? Yeah. I mean, he, he was a guy who was, uh, during the Great Depression, you know, mm-hmm. ended up using some welfare like everybody had. And once he won his fight, and this is a true story, I guess, he, he um, tried to repay the, the unemployment that he had taken out to the government. They're like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, no, I'm paying, paying my debts back. Like, that's someone who actually has integrity. Yeah. Yeah, it's – I see, I see all, a lot of people saying, oh, I was, I was suckered. I, I paid my student loans and – and now all these other people are, are getting money yeah. handed to them. And it's like, it's not healthy for them. It's healthy I, for you that you paid it. Why would you want to be? I hate that argument because you're right. It's like saying, oh, it's only bad because I'm not benefiting from this it, uh, handout. Exactly. That's so silly. And I get it. I get it that they're going to, we're all going to pay for it, right? We're all going to pay for it. So why not benefit from it? But there's something that it does to your soul, I think, too, when you take a handout, especially for men, and especially if you keep taking it and keep taking it, that it's just it's just better to not. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's the problem is a lot of times Republicans will make those bad arguments. Um, I, I feel like, you know, like I, I know a lot of people made the argument tongue in cheek 
as I did about my body, my choice when it came to the vaccine stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. on some sense, like at least the way I was, the way I understood it was, you know, like, I'm going to take your argument and push it back in your face so you can see how stupid the argument is. But the problem was there's too many people who are like, no, yeah, I believe in my body, my choice now. It's like, no, well, (laughs) I don't think that's really a Republican. I don't think that's a conservative virtue to be like, you know, I can just do anything I want to my body and it doesn't matter. I can take hard drugs and kill my children and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever i just it's it's not actually a good argument i don't think republicans really believe it and i think sometimes when uh republicans conservatives whatever make bad arguments to combat the left's bad arguments they start to adopt mm-hmm. uh principles that that cut against uh the print well con- cut against conservative principles that's why it's yeah. so funny i keep saying republican and conservative interchangeably but i'm not trying to like I think there's conservative principles and the Republican party. And I don't think they're the same thing. So I'm trying to use that correctly, but. They're not the same thing. And, and I think what we really need too is even different from conservative, whatever that means, because the conservative spirit is to conserve. It's to say, you know, what we have is good and we're going to hold on to it. And Mm -hmm. if what you have isn't good, then holding on to it is not going to be a particularly helpful thing. Yeah, I've been, so I've, been, yeah. I've been saying that for a while now. I'm like, you know, I use conservatism to the way that I understand it as far as like, the, I always try to define it. And for me, it's, um, I think Kangman Lee had said this. He said, conservatism is the application of, of Christian morality in politics. And it's like, if that's what it means, cool. But like, on the other hand, what what is there left to conserve about this country? Is like, are we conserving our great tradition of uh, experimenting on children of uh, fifty years of uh, kill, you know slaughtering kids in the womb? Yeah. Like, there's not a lot less left to conserve, and I think we actually need a new name and a new movement as far as like actually saying, you know what, we actually need to like tear things down and rebuild in some way, or yeah. or reconstruct i've heard people float around the idea of like reconstructionalists or some Mm -hmm. other words that don't really they're not as catchy or easy to say as conservatism so (laughs) they might not catch on so maybe somebody's got a better word but yeah i I feel like conservatism uh is failing us right now because so many people look at that word and they're like oh you know the 90s were a pretty good time i want to go back to the 90s and it's like yeah you want to go back to 10 20 30 years ago on the same exact path Right. Um, and end up here Very again real when, you know, when your kids are army. Yeah. You've got these surface level corrections. Oh, let's dial back taxes a little bit. And right. Like the left is right when they talk about institutionalized stuff. Like it's, it's, it's very, it's there, not cool to say everything's institutionalized racism, but there's a shit ton of institutionalized injustice. Mm-hmm. And, it's going to take way more than a conservative spirit. It's going to take a revolutionary spirit to fix these things. Yeah, you're you're 100 right, and I've also I also <laughs> find it funny that the left um, likes to point towards institutions that they control as <laughs> being problematic. Right. So whenever I, I, I disagree with conservatives all the time when they say there's no such thing as institutional racism, I think that's the biggest load of crap. Uh, they're like, there's no such thing as institutional racism, you know, except for affirmative action. 
and except for the way our welfare programs are run and except for everything uh, from LBJ on and right. our school systems and the colleges. And they just like, they keep, they keep saying, Oh, except, except it's like, yeah, what you're saying is there is institutional racism. It just doesn't favor you. Yeah. And there are some things that are, that are institutionalized injustices that do happen to affect minorities more than others or dis- disproportionately their favorite word. But the thing that is unjust is not that it affects minorities more. It's that it's unjust and the the welfare system disproportionately affects minorities. Right. Uh, and right. it's, well, that, that's, that's the thing though, is some people I've even heard make the argument, well, there's institutionalized racism, but it's just against whites and Asians. And that's not even true either. No. No. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the welfare system, I think affirmative action affects uh, black people as well as white people, as, as well as Asian people. Uh, you know, if you get into a job and, you you know, everybody's looking at you as well, he's the diversity hire. That's not mm-hmm. going to that's not that's not going to help you yeah. as a black person. I, I think, too, trying to make a prescription for an entire country about about what the, the problem is, you a lot of justice system stuff happens on a county level so there are times when you look at a county and you can say this county prefers men in rape cases this county you know has a way of vilifying women and the men get off but then you can look at a different county just a couple states over and say this one prefers the women in the cases and 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 is unjust balanced in another direction and to, to make a prescription for the entire country one way or the other is a bit silly. Yeah, I think that the only prescription to make is is uh, going back to the idea of justice being blind. Is You know, we, mm-hmm. we've tried to, everybody's trying to overcorrect in every every direction. Yeah. So, you know, so we've heard, we've, yeah, we've heard people like Ibram X. Kendi say, well, racism is always going to exist. I just want it to be my form of racism. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it, he was essentially saying uh, in no uncertain terms, I want to be racist towards white people because white people were racist towards black people. Mm -hmm. And you know what that's creating? It's creating racist white people. Yep. I mean, nobody can deny the fact that that is happening. Like as much as it's growing so fast, it's scary. Like I I hate to see it, but it is happening because we've seen, uh, you know, all these laws and all these politicians and colleges and things that are like, hey, poor white kid who grew up in a trailer park like I did. You have white privilege. You, ha- you know, you don't have or you should give up all these opportunities to someone else who's less qualified or works less hard than you because of their race. And you look at that and I'm not saying myself, but I'm saying there's a lot. And I think this younger generation is experiencing it really bad where they've grown up with that far mm-hmm. worse than we did. And you're starting to see white kids uh, become just actual racists. And yeah, it's angry at the system. It's just like the Black Panthers. You know, they grew up in a time where the whole system was set against them and they uh, developed a hatred for white people and they became radicals. And I, you know, as much as as much as the left is always saying that, you know, neo-Nazis are the world's greatest threat. It's like they're not yet, but you're creating them. You, Yeah. Yes. Like. People will ask, who radicalized you? And I'm like, you did. You radicalized me. And like moving back to election fraud, I think that what is being created, and this is both parties are doing this because 
we, we all know, everyone who's honest knows there are problems, right? Everyone who's honest knows that something happened, whether it was enough to tip it or not. Everybody knows that something has to be done to clean things up. But Republicans are barely doing anything about it. Very scared to, to clean anything up or, or do anything that would actually start to at least me. I'm back. There, <laughs> as I was saying before, Anchor so rudely cut me off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's so much that if 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 both parties decided that what they cared about was a population that was confident in the results of the election, uh, a, a stable country, even if we agreed to say, you know, whatever happened in 2020 happened, you know, we're just going to move forward. Uh, we don't know. I don't. We don't even know how to move backward. Like legally, it's it, it's it's pretty impossible. Right. I think, but but we could say let's just move forward. Let's let's fix everything we can fix. Let's check everything we can check. Audit everything we can audit. But I don't see either party really doing that. And instead, both are just kind of. And this is my problem with people like. I don't know if it's a problem, but there's just a lot of people feeding the hatred and creating creating the radicals instead of actually cleaning things up and fixing them. We're just creating people who are who are angry angrier and angrier and feel more and more wronged by the system. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that uh, on both sides. I think just um, there's a, what's the word for it? Basically just uh, grievance politics, you know? So I think that's the issue. I think, I think it's, I don't like to be a little black pilled on this though. I'm not sure that there is a unifying thought or idea that we have left Mm. Uh, that's that's the the real issue here is i see you know and and this this kind of transcends politics a little bit when you got people like dan crenshaw and everybody else kind of working together but you've got this like total globalist quote-unquote conspiracy that's right out in the open that everybody talks about very openly on every platform and in these giant world economic forums so you've got that which is just totally set against the american people um, and then you've got the American people fighting over things that, you know, as much as I've heard people say, uh, and this is this is the real unfortunate, this is the real conundrum we're in is you've got people, and I think Glenn Beck has floated this idea too. He's like, look, the real issue is the, the globalists who want to make you live in the pod and eat the bugs and all this stuff. And they're not wrong. But the issue is that amongst ourselves, there's not any unifying thing left. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't agree that we can just look past the people who are mutilating the children. We should look past the people who want to genocide babies that we can look past the the grooming and just every awful idea the left has the overt racism. It's not something you look past. I think that one side has to win that those, those arguments um, and that debate and bring our country to a sane uh, place or, before we can even think about that. And that's why, you know, it's to be a little black pill, it's sometimes it feels like we're screwed. Yeah. Because as much as we're fighting each other, the globalists are going to continue to push their crazy agenda. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Because they know what they believe. They know what they stand for. It's, it's awful, but they know yeah. exactly what they stand for. And they're more or less unified in it. And we, we have a whole group of conservatives who seem to have no idea what we stand for. 
That is the that actually is the issue, though, because the left, at least, you know, at least the the NPCs on the left, mm-hmm. they're going to go along with what the globalists stand for. They're going to go along with the establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, the NPCs on the right aren't even playing the same game. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's not lie to ourselves. There are a lot of NPCs on the right. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> there, there are. But the problem is that their their standard. um program response is mix it's a mix of libertarianism and and uh liberal democracy it's like i don't know how to describe it like the whole MAGA movement was so weird to me because on one hand you've got people who are finally um and i would put myself in this camp that are that are really going you know what the real issue is that we've lost our faith we don't know what we really stand for and we have to go back and actually understand where our ideas come from, where our morality comes from, and we have to stand for things like that. And then you've got everybody else who's just like, yeah, I'm the I'm the tranny conservative and I like low taxes and mm-hmm. freedom for whatever that means. Uh, not freedom from sin, not freedom from licentiousness, mm-hmm. but just but just like this generalized idea of freedom that sounds good on paper but means nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's what the right is. That's the the rights NPCs is yeah freedom and guns, uh, but no. <laughs> and the problem is the problem is that that they're not less thought out than the NPCs on the left. It's just that the NPCs on the left are going along with a, a unified agenda. The left is stronger than us because they have religion. That's exactly it. And when people like me and, and, and you and other people on the right who actually understand that that is the issue and are trying to bring that back into politics again are met by all these people who are like, no, I'm, I'm conservative too. I just don't, uh, I, we shouldn't have any kind of religion, you know, separation of church and state. And they just like spout these stupid lines that don't even make sense. They don't understand that mm-hmm. Jefferson said that because he was worried about the state imposing on the church. They right. just have these buzzwords. It's, there's so much. I, I think if you, if you boil it down to something that I think a lot of the NPCs can even get their heads around, <laughs> this is not to put down people, but people who aren't, aren't thinking very, very deeply about things like you, you can't just be anti things. Like that's not, that's not right. a right. ideology. You can't be because you just get exhausted. It's, it's, it's all negative. There's no positive thing driving you forward. That's, because when you start to take hits, it has to be worth something. And if you're just kind of standing against all these things and you just get exhausted and it's not worth it anymore to stand against gay marriage or whatever it is, because you're not, you're not fighting for anything good or true or beautiful. Yeah. And I think that, you know, on that front, I think that's another thing that I've been talking about recently with conservatives have to understand the idea. Uh, we've adopted this uh, radical individualism. And radical individualism is just standing against everything so I can have whatever freedom means to me mm. at the moment. And we've, we've believed this lie that the base, as far as conservatism goes, the basic political unit is the individual, that I can just do anything I want all the time. Instead of it actually standing for something, which would be the opposite of just standing against everything, the radical individual just stands against everything. But the basic political unit actually being the nuclear family and actually having... Mm something to stand for and something to fight for instead of something to fight against, which would make, make us stronger and make our arguments make sense and make our worldview make sense and make us better people. 
Uh, instead, we've got like, you, you know, I, there's no better word for it. Just NPCs who just shout freedom. I, I want the ability to do anything I want. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even make sense a lot of times while they stand against the left. They're like, well, I can do anything I want. You know, so my only issue is that they're trans and kids instead of adults. And that's yeah. just such a stupid argument. It's just it, it, it's it's the same thing that the Republicans has been doing for a long time where the Democrats five years ago. Yeah. And if, we're, if all that we offer is to be the Democrats from five years ago, uh, <laughs> then we don't one. actually stand for anything. And it's worthless. It's 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 most of the church in America today where you pick a couple of your favorite sins to stand against. And they're always like the farthest sins away from you. The, the things that you're the least tempted to do, um, mm-hmm. the things that are easiest to kind of cut off and, and not take responsibility for any change in your own in your own life. It's all about other people. These other people shouldn't train their kids. This is so far removed from me. Um, I don't have to, but, but what I want is all my vices. I want all my vices and I want financial security, financial thriving. So So you can chase your own vices. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 weak sauce. It's it's nothing that anybody can hold on to. And so even though you ha- we have a whole conservative right who's really really angry, we're all angry in such a chaotic way. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I think when it comes to the church too, you know what you're talking about is like it's good to stand against things that are bad. Yeah. But it's not enough if you're not standing for something that's good. So so a lot of the church has become. What sins are we comfortable with attacking today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can attack those sins, but let's not talk about Christ too much. Let's not talk about what we stand for. Let's not mm-hmm. talk about what we should actively be doing. Let's not talk about the Great Commission. Let's just talk about uh, Leviticus or whatever convenient, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I, I, I'm not, I, I know some people will take that the wrong way. I'm not even saying like, no, we should uh, never judge people on anything and forgive all sins because we're sinners too. That's not even the point I'm making. The point all I'm right. making is like, yes, those sins are bad. What are you going to do proactively though? That's yeah. that's most of the time going to be a lot more beneficial to you and to your relationship to Christ and to your, your walk and your life. Uh, and this goes into politics as well you know, what you're going to actively do about it and not just what you're going to not like about somebody else. Yeah. Like we lost the marriage issue, I think for a really simple reason that people stood against gay marriage, but they did not stand for marriage. They did not stand against divorce. They didn't stand against any other issue with, with marriage. They didn't stand against pornography. They didn't stand against, like they didn't stand for marriage. And so they lost marriage. And I think with election fraud, we can stand against election fraud all day long. But if we're not standing for, like, you can't just, it's not going to work if the only reason you're mad about election fraud is your guy didn't win. You have to be standing for something good and united behind something good, regardless of the outcome, or you're never going to do the work. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I think the whole the whole uh, gay marriage thing, we have to actually look back to the free love movement. And the free love movement was not uh, specifically or even generally about, uh, you know, gay, lesbian, trans stuff. It was about uh, straight people just wanting to sleep around with as many people as they could. And once that became a thing, it's inevitably going to lead to this type of stuff. 
And there's a lot of Republicans or conservatives or even quote unquote Christians who are like, can't we just go back to uh, straight Tinder, uh, you know, meeting strangers online and having as much oh sex as we want? But just, you know, like that's that stuff's OK. And it's like it's not OK. As if that wasn't disruptive to the culture. Yeah, it's. That's my point is like straight sex uh, was just as destructive of our culture when yeah. it was taken outside of the confines of marriage. Yes. And I and I and I wonder, like, if people really got what they think they want as far as fixing election fraud, if if, you know, whatever it is, you th- if, if, if we decide, OK, yeah, Trump won after all and we install him. Like, how does that fix? How does that fix the country if we if we put Trump back in the White House? What is really fixed? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like on one hand, a lot of things <laughs> like I joke, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, but you know no, what I mean? Like, yeah. The Biden, the Biden agenda has just been that destructive. It, but It has been. It has but been. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's why I go back to we actually have to have a conversation on what voting means in this country, who should be voting, things like that. It's not enough to just be like, well, we're going to, you know, open up the voting to every person with a pulse. And, uh, you know, when our guy loses, we'll complain about it. But we don't actually want to fix things. We don't actually have a conversation about how our country should be ran, how it actually mm-hmm. is a republic. Like Republicans don't even stand up for it. I hear too many people, too many Republicans mm-hmm. talking about the, the wonders of democracy all the time. And I'm like, Republican democracy, I guess, like it's a part of the system. It's not the system. Yeah. Uh, but we've we've forgotten that. So we don't ha- we're not putting a vision forward. We're just trying to uh, cobble together our own. We're kind of trying to cobble together like this amalgamation of yeah. different people's political beliefs to make it sound like we're all nice and we don't actually, you know, stand for anything. Uh, but our guy deserved to win. It's, that's not enough. It's not. And, and the ends just like the ends don't justify the means just, you know, just because Biden had horrible, horrible policies and Trump had better ones wouldn't actually fix the really deep, the really, really deep issues with the nation. Yeah, the deep issues with the nation are the fact that Biden isn't doing it, it's not none of this is Biden's fault in a way like he's not it is. But you know what I mean? He's not the one yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. Like I think one, as soon as people realize Biden is not the guy, he's just the sta- he's just the rubber stamp. He's just the guy with a pen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would start to see the real issues. The real issues are, you know, the the administrative state, the deep state, whatever you want to call it. The, these bureaucracies that can put down a 7,000 page bill um, and just tell people, you know, vote for it to find out what's in it kind of stuff. Insane. Insane. Make their own law. I mean, the ATF makes their own gun laws. They're not a legislative body. Yeah. It's, there is so much there. And I think so many people have just gotten it into their heads that everything would just be better if we had Trump back, if we overturned the election, if we if we proved election fraud or whatever it is. But it's just so much deeper than that. It, it is. The administrative state ruined the military while Trump was in office. The administrative state mm-hmm. took away gun rights while Trump was in office. These uh, partially administrative state and partially governors uh, imposed all this tyranny on people over COVID for a year while Trump was in office. So it's not it's not that simple. Um, I would have, I would have preferred to see him drain the swamp more, you know? Yeah. I think that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell. It's hard to judge him. Like he did a lot and I don't know what, what he was facing, but in hindsight, there are some things that's like, what, why did you let that happen? 
Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a deeper problem. I think you said it earlier in the, in the show that there's a lot of uh, surface level uh, issues that are being addressed and not the deeper rot. And uh, you know, we're, we're constantly putting band-aids over bullet wounds and that's, that's gotta, we gotta actually have a more deep understanding of what we believe in a deep understanding of what's wrong with the country instead of just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll lower taxes and that'll fix, you know, that'll make everybody happy for five minutes. Yeah. My neighbor, my neighbor at my old house, her roof sprung a leak and because her roof sprung a leak, it went down through and it rotted out ceiling in her, in one of her rooms and completely destroyed, you know, ceiling walls, her couch, all that stuff. She told the landlord and the landlord scheduled someone to come fix the room, not the roof, the room. That, that is probably the best <laughs> analogy for what's going on in this country. If we, yeah. fi- if we fixed election fraud, if we overturned the election and put Trump back in the White House, we would have just fixed the room. Well, if we would have just put him back, I think fixing the, the, fixing the system that allowed the fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would at least be at least be something i I mean with the with the way that our country runs and a lot of people don't realize this with electors and things like that like we really can't go back um which is the unfortunate thing but which is why we i think it's important to point out you know what i was saying earlier every single type of election fraud that was alleged was true whether or not it overturned the election whether or not it was you know a million people whether you know even if it was 20 people which a lot of these were way way more than that but Every single one of those issues people brought up was true, and every single one of them needs to be fixed, whether they were small amounts or mm-hmm. not, because local elections matter too, and 100 votes. I mean, that, that election I was talking about in Antrim, 6,000 mm-hmm. votes, that wouldn't have swayed a presidential election, but it absolutely swayed a county right. uh, to have a different type of leadership, or would have hadn't been caught. So, And luckily, that one was. And I, I, want, I want to see it fixed. I think when... when... I, I get talking to people who are like gung ho about election fraud and, and really desperate to get people to believe it. And it's like, it's not that I don't believe you. It's just that. Well, nobody's, nobody's proposing solutions. Yeah. Like what, what do you, what do you really, you know, you want to march to the white house and put him back in office? Like, how does that, like, I, I, I live that in Africa. I, I like that doesn't, that doesn't work. You can't just decide you don't like the election and just flip it. Like that just completely destroys a country. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the unfortunate uh, pill that we have to swallow. And on one hand, I think that uh, as much as people maybe don't like hearing this, um, our country deserves Biden. <laughs> we have the president we deserve. And as awful as it's making our country right now, uh, the best we can hope for is not to overturn what happened in 2020, but to wake up to what's happening now and be like, yeah, this is, this is bad. We have to figure out how we got here and we have to change something, but yeah. change a lot of some things. I think the other, the other uh, possible consequence to believing in election fraud, whether it's true or not, is that it gives Trump and his supporters permission not to make any adjustments, not to admit, Hey, maybe we, we did, do really badly with women and maybe as a entire Republican party, we need to recognize we do a really bad job communicating 
why were the party to vote for particularly to women yeah. and and i see so many people at least joking about oh we should just not let women vote and that's a whole <laughs> that's not a solution like if if you are polling badly if you are doing badly with a group of people then communicate with them better don't just take away their vote yeah, I think the the Republican Party doesn't learn. I mean, that's the, the real yeah. issue here. The Republican yeah. Party, uh, you know, they'll they'll vote to send billions of dollars to uh, foreign countries for wars, and then be mad that uh, we spend billions of dollars on uh, student loan forgiveness. It's like, you know, we could look at this and be like, maybe we should just stop spending money. It's not about where. Yeah, we we can learn that we should stop spending so much damn money. Um. But yeah, I think you're right on that. The Republican Party is not learning from this the way that they should. Yeah, we're not, you know, the left is communicating really well to its people what it wants them to hear. And the right is really bad at persuading people. Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll say this last thing to, the, to your point. I, I, do, I probably have to get going soon because I have my oh, own podcast yeah. to do soon. But you're right. what, Talking about learning, you can look around. One of the things I hear people say, and they're not wrong, but they're taking the wrong uh, lesson from this, is yeah. they'll be like, well, look, Trump had support. Trump had these huge sold-out rallies. You see MAGA hats. I've never once seen a Biden T-shirt. I agree, I've never seen a Biden T-shirt. I'm not sure I've ever met a Biden fan. And I'm not right. saying that facetiously. I'm saying it actually. I don't think anybody likes Biden. No. And the, no. the right looks at that and they go, well... Nobody likes Biden, so this truth. is all crap. And it's yeah. like truth. You know, the problem is that they hate Trump. Yeah. So the, the thing that the right has to realize, and I'm not saying that they hate Trump and they're justified and you have to adjust to everything they want. A lot of these people right. hate Trump because they're because the things they stand for are evil and awful and terrible. <laughs> right. But you, <laughs> but you have to understand that there was there was a lot of the, the, the referendum on the 2020 election was not, do we like Biden? It was, do we like Trump? Do we like mm -hmm. or hate Trump? So there is, there is something to that yeah. uh, that can be learned. It's not, I think the lesson people are just taking away is nobody likes Biden. It's like, yeah, but why, like, why did they still vote for him? Because not every, not every single vote cast was illegitimate or fake. Yeah. There, there was a large, large, large swath of people that were willing to, go out and vote against Trump. So there has to be some lessons there. There there has to be. And yeah, if we're if we're going to get, you know, to su to sum up, if we're going to get anywhere, if we're going to fix the election system, if we're going to fix the country, we have to stand for something. We have to say we stand for like anything, pick something and stand for it. Right. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think there's a verse about this. The like something like the people perish for lack of vision. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that's why the Republican Party's perishing is the lack of vision. Yeah. We've got plenty of stuff to stand against. It's not hard. You yeah. can look in any direction, toss a stone in any direction, and you'll hit a pedophile in this country. You know, like there's plenty of stuff to, yeah. to or a groomer or whatever you want to say. Like there's plenty of plenty of issues. Um, but it's just it's not enough to just stand against things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I appreciate it. This was fun. I could, I could keep talking to you, but I've got to, I, I yeah. unfortunately have to get going. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening to this, by the time you're listening to this, PJ and I are, have already launched Conspiracy Pilled. You can catch us there. 
You can catch us on the last American Pupcast. You'll be seeing all this stuff all over the place. So thank you. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited for that. Follow PJ underscore Patriot on Twitter. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>